Hello everyone and welcome back to the Just Interesting People podcast. Today we are joined by Jessica and thank you so much for joining us and thank you everyone for listening. We really hope you enjoy this episode. Um, so Jeremy's going to introduce her properly as usual but thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you guys again for, for tuning in again. Um, so yeah, today uh, we are joined by Jessica. Um, we haven't met actually <laughs> uh, in real um i've been following you on instagram for i don't know about one year and a little bit um it was one day i i photographed a manta ray uh, in surfside with the drone and i shared the photograph and you contacted me asking like oh where did you see it when was it etc <laughs> um and yeah i've been following you since then um and uh, yes yeah, so uh Correct me if I'm not using the right term, but you're a marine uh, scientist, researcher? How, how do you yeah, say it? I'm exactly? a marine biologist Biologist. Okay. Uh, manta rays. Okay, right. Yeah, and you specialize in manta ray, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. I've never met uh, a marine biologist before, so I've got plenty of questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really intrigued by it. Um, and also, like, we both love manta ray. Um, like, we... Uh, in 2016, we went to Indonesia for our honeymoon, um, and we went on a scuba diving trip for like five days. And, okay. And we Where did in like Indonesia. Uh, the diving was in the Komodo Island. Okay. And uh, yeah, we did two or three manta dive, I think. Yeah. Um, and it was. Ugh, I've got goosebumps just talking about it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, just it, magical. No, it was in, absolutely insane. Like. Oh god, I can see myself there right now. <laughs> like, like diving there, and and the current the current was so strong. We were trying to hold like on whatever we could, and they were just like majestically floating, like nothing is happening, and like we saw like one or two, and then suddenly a group of I don't know twenty twenty five just came, and we Whoa. just stood there. F- we just lay there for like 45 minutes we didn't move for the whole dive and we just looked at them like playing above our it was insane like ugh. <laughs> i'm dying awesome. to, to dive again with one like, it was incredible um and yeah and, and the, i didn't even know we had manta in florida to be honest um so when i saw one with a drone i was like oh my god it's so cool <laughs> 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 i was so excited um so yeah, let's let let's go. So um, my first question is, how do you become a marine biologist? Like, how, what's the process for that? Um, so I didn't always know I wanted to be a marine biologist. Like a lot of people say, they're little kids and they're like, I want to be a marine biologist. Yeah. I kind of was the kid who knew I wanted to work with animals, but. I always thought I would be like a large animal veterinarian. It's kind of when I was a little kid. Um, But then I went to college and just really didn't know what to major in at all. And I decided to major in environmental science because I figured I could probably work outside and uh, not have a nine to five um, at a desk, which were kind of my, and do good for the world too. And it wasn't until like after I graduated college and I got scuba certified Mm -hmm. um, because before then I was applying to like any biology jobs. I applied to study bears in Ecuador and 
wherever. I was open wow. to anything. Um, wow. But I ended up getting a lot of sea turtle jobs. And then I got scuba certified. And uh, that was kind of it for me. I was okay. like, this is what I want to be doing. Okay. So when, when, when you did your, your study in college, you, uh, you, you didn't have to, to take like a specialty in, in a specific domain. Then you can just be like a general animal. Yeah. Biologist. I just did general environmental science. So okay. I might've had a couple of marine science classes, but honestly, I never took a marine biology class. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Yeah, I feel like you end up teaching yourself a lot of things right. uh, yeah. along the way anyway. But yeah, no, I mean, you can have degrees in statistics, chemistry, uh, lots of different things and go into marine science. Oh, okay. So along, as long as you have like a kind of scientific degree, you, you, you could join in potentially mm -hmm. and, and just learn on the field, I guess. Yeah, I mean, to me, what you major in as an undergrad... Um, it definitely doesn't define what you do for the rest yeah. of your life. Um, you can always mold those experiences to do something a little bit different. Yeah. Okay. And so how long have you been doing what you're doing now? Um, so I've started the Manta project four years ago. This is our fifth year of research. Um, so before that, I kind of, uh, I mean, you mentioned that you guys have traveled a bit, but I was kind of a little nomadic. Um, I live in Florida for part of the year studying sea turtles and then would live out of the country for part of the mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. I did that for like three or four years, then went to grad school and then lived on a sailboat for a year and a half. Wow. And then started this project. <laughs> Why was the sailboat? Um, so after graduate school, I just really needed to get out of the country really badly. So I just was applying to only jobs that were out of the country. And it was with a company called Semester. So um, they take like college kids for a semester abroad. So oh. they're on the boat, living on the boat for three months. Um, and the company has two boats. One sails around the Caribbean and the other one sails around the world. Um, so I did, um, I spent a year sailing around the Caribbean and then I did one semester where we crossed uh, the Atlantic coming from the Mediterranean back to the Caribbean. Mm. Um, cool. Wow. Yeah. That must have been an experience. That could be a, <laughs> a, an entire episode, I guess. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. You must have some stories. <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> yeah. There was a time that the sailboat, the mooring line broke and, uh, I was the only person on this uh, 90 foot sailboat and it crashed onto the beach. Oh, <laughs> I had to get it off by myself. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Actually, no, that's not true. I didn't have to get it off by myself. There were some local guys named Seacat and Beans who helped me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we definitely need you back on for a story. Like, yeah, we, we can do another one about that. <laughs> So then you said that you then started this project. So tell us about the project. Is it just manta rays? Did you found it yourself? How did this come about? And, and why manta rays? Yeah. So basically, um, like I told you before, I used to study sea turtles in Florida. So I don't know mm -hmm. if you guys have seen the people who ride the ATVs up and down the yeah. beach in the morning. 
So that's yeah, what I used one, to do. One of them just laid this morning, actually, just oh, where we yeah. live. <laughs> um, yeah, so I used to do that um, in Palm Beach County. And what would happen is sometimes while I was out there doing surveys, I would just look over and I would see a manta ray swimming by in like three to five feet of water. And, um, you know, I was a scuba diver and I just literally couldn't believe that we had manta rays in Florida, that no one was studying them. Like I'm about to have the first paper published on manta rays in Florida. Um, Like no one's ever studied these and we get, we have a pretty large number of mantas in Florida and it's really rare marine biology for like a charismatic species like that to just kind of be ignored, especially Mm. along the Florida coastline where there's tons of researchers and people. Um, But that was back in like 2010. I tried to make that my project for my graduate degree. Just long story short, did not go well. Um, So I moved back to Florida after living on the sailboat in 2016. And I kind of went back to doing the turtle work, which is fine. I really like it. But I was like, I'm 30. I'm still doing the same job I was doing when I was 20. I was like, I need something needs to change. Um, So I just decided to kind of go for it. And the first question was like, could we even find them? Like I had seen them from the beach, but I was like, I don't know. Can you study them? Maybe uh, a lot of people were like, no, they're just rare here. You're not going to be able to. So me and my boyfriend like rented a boat in the summer of 2016. And on our days off from work, we would go out looking for them. Mm. And, you know, we found them like on 50% of our surveys. So we're like, that's totally doable. Um, So yeah, so then I teamed up with um, this nonprofit called the Marine Megafauna Foundation. They do, we have um, some projects in Indonesia as well. yeah, I'm actually the only person from Marine Megafauna Foundation over in the U.S. They oh, mostly okay. do work in the developing world, um, but they were really interested in uh, this population. It's kind of an interesting one because usually you like travel really far and go dive on like beautiful reefs to go see mantas, yeah. <laughs> but here they're like in three feet of water in front of a twenty million dollar house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. And how, um, I- I'm totally ignorant about, about that. So uh, it might be stupid questions. I'm sorry, but I, no. how do you, uh, wh- when you're a marine biologist, like who do you work for? Uh, yeah. Like private so, no, companies, so really public companies, question. like how, how does that work? So there's basically, let's say, three ways you can go. You can work for the government. So that's either going to be like FWC here, the state government or NOAA for the federal government. Um, You can work for private companies, which are mostly going to be like environmental consulting firms. So like say they want to do a beach renourishment project on the beach, sea turtles are protected. So you have to hire someone to make sure the construction company follows the permits type thing Mm -hmm. and then working in the nonprofit world is the other way to do it so um there's pluses and minuses to all three of those and i've worked well i haven't worked in the government 
but I've worked in um, for environmental consulting. So usually you get paid better in environmental consulting, yeah. but maybe the work sometimes isn't quite as cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I guess you get more freedom with a non-profit in a way, no? More, well, way more freedom than if you work for the government. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then there's just the government has way more money than the nonprofits yeah. do. But sometimes okay. the government gives us money because we have more freedom. So nice. then everyone is happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So uh, you, you, you picked my, yeah, you want to go. I have a question. So what is your day-to-day life? Because obviously we oh, see um, photographs of, well, like drone photos and scuba diving things and, you know, the kind of, oh my God, how did someone get paid to do that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Is that, is that like, a normal day-to-day life or how often do you actually go out and see things like what's your daily routine I guess or weekly routine as a marine biologist um so the routine is there's not much of a routine during the summer which is our main field season we go out on the boat three times a week okay uh we're going up in a plane twice a month also to look for manta rays um and then if the weather's nice, sometimes we go out more. But a lot of it is weather dependent, yeah. um, which can be imminently frustrating because yeah. <laughs> um, it's impossible to plan things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so during the summer is when I'm doing most of my field work. And during the off season, it's more analyzing data, writing grants. Um, I mean, actually, like, the pandemic actually made me super productive and I wrote oh, yeah. two publications. Um, it wow. was kind of nice to be like, you can't go out to the beach and drone. You have to stay inside. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. I'll get some work done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So there's uh, quite a bit of computer work and then giving presentations. I do quite a bit of that and um, like it varies. Okay. Cause yeah, every time I see you, posting posting like drone yeah, I mean, footage or, cool or when you dive i'm like i want to be paid to do that <laughs> that'll be fun <laughs> um but um when when so when you say like the the you you spend winter usually like uh analyzing the data and everything like what's your what's the goal behind it what, what are you trying to what's your vision yeah what trying to achieve with with the study exactly yeah so first off basically no one knew anything about these manta rays down here um manta ray populations around the world are declining um mostly due to targeted fishing and they're caught a lot as bycatch which is like Mm. incidental catch and fishing gear Mm -hmm. um but our first two major findings here in florida is one that it's a nursery habitat So the Mm. mantas we're seeing are all juveniles or baby manta rays. So Mm. a lot of people don't believe me when I'm like, that's a baby, but they're born at six feet across. So (laughs) they're really big to start out with. Um, So this is like a really important habitat for them to grow up. And like the individuals are spending multiple years here. Um, And then the second one, which isn't too surprising since it's, in South Florida, where we have a lot of people living down here, is that we see a lot of um, interactions with humans. We see them entangled in fishing line and hit by boats. Um, so 
One of our first things that we're working on is mantas were just listed on the Endangered Species Act um, oh. in the U.S. in 2018. And in the first year, they're supposed to designate critical habitat to protect, uh, but they didn't have enough data. Um, like I'm one of the only people other than the Georgia Aquarium who's doing some work um, wow. who is studying these manta rays down here. Um, and they still don't consider my data enough to call it critical habitat. There's get some government okay. technicalities in there. Um, but so, yeah, so we want to designate critical habitat for these species. And we're working on a bunch of conservation campaigns um, starting this summer where we're going to do outreach with fishermen and with boaters and divers um, to try to mitigate these uh, impacts with them. Yeah. So we just finished up a big uh, study where we went out and talked to the fishermen at the piers and jetties and stuff and asked them about their knowledge of and like interactions with manta rays. And how many manta rays do you think are, or do you know, I don't know, in Florida, like per year? Um, so here in South Florida seems to be where we just have the juveniles. I personally, so manta rays have a unique spot pattern on their belly. Um, so what we do is we get in the water and take a photo of them and then we can tell who is who. So we have identified 60 individuals mm -hmm. um, wow. and we, we keep seeing new individuals all the time. So I don't think we fully sampled the population, um, but there's also another seasonal population of adult mantas that are more in central Northern Florida that come in the springtime and they can come by the hundreds. Mm. Um, wow. So I'm, that's what I'm working on tomorrow is a, a grant to expand some of our work up there. And up there, there's a whole specialized fishery that uses the mantas to find cobia. So the fishermen just go out and look for the manta rays and then cast underneath them to find okay. the cobia. So we're going to do some work with some of the cobia fishermen up there to, um, better understand what's going on and um, maybe ways we can make it a little bit better because I've, I've heard some things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so when you say there are mostly juveniles here, so you, you, you think that they, well, they give birth around Florida and then they go somewhere else and every year they come back to give birth or they actually stay in, uh, in the neighborhood and, 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 and live here? Like how, how does that work? Um, so basic answer to that question is we don't know. Um, no one has ever seen a manta ray give birth in the wild. So we have no idea where manta rays are giving birth. Um, wow. I mean, presumably it would be somewhere adjacent to here, but is it out? They could go do it out in deep water. They mm -hmm. could come. They could maybe even come in the estuaries and do it. I, I don't know. That's one of my goals to crack that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm also going to look at uh, when we go study the population in Northern Florida is we can take genetic samples and use genetics to understand if the population down in South Florida is related to the population mm -hmm. in Northern Florida. Right, There's okay. also populations down in the Caribbean and Gulf of Mexico 
Um, I mean, my best guess is that they are related, the ones along the coast of Florida. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, we're still learning about their movements, but uh, we put satellite tags on a couple of them. Yeah, I was, gonna, and, I was just about to ask about that, if you track them or not. Yeah, we have. It's, it's a little bit difficult because uh, manta rays are very flat and it's hard to find a good place to attach right. tags. So mm -hmm. there's a standard way people do it, but um, like manta rays jump out of the water and sharks bite the tags. So we have trouble mm -hmm. getting them to stay on as mm -hmm. long as people who work in some other species can. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I think our longest one stayed on for three months or something this summer, but we found that they're using the entire coast of Florida. So they are coming back to our little area, but they're going north and south. Yeah, but they are coming back. So the, the one that you, you identified and you give them names, right? Because on Instagram, <laughs> you pull like, hey, this is whoever, whatever the name is. Um, so you can see them going back year after year after year, right? I mean, it's been yeah. a few years so, now. So um, almost half of them we've seen more than once. Mm. Um, and only two of them we've seen over three years. So Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I this is one of these projects where it's probably going to be at least a decade before I start yeah. to really suss oh, well, things out. That's like a lifetime project, like yeah. to really no, embrace the whole, the whole thing. Well, which is always what my dream was, like reading about Jane Goodall and like she got to know that population of chimpanzees inside and out. And that's kind of always like what I've wanted to do is like a big study where you just like know everything about this population. Yeah. So, um and the only way you've got to recognize them is so from the belly, like from from a from a drone shot, you can't you can't literally have no clue who's who. No, unless they barrel roll feed, and sometimes they'll oh, yeah. flip. And I yeah, have I've seen some. Get... You, you you got some cool footage with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but okay, there's no way to with the pattern on the top. There's no way. And how how can you say it's a juvenile from the top? Uh, we can't tell from the top necessarily. Okay. So what I do when we're going underneath them is the males have paired reproductive structures called claspers. Mm -hmm. And you can tell by the size of those claspers if they're sexually mature or not. Oh, okay. So mm -hmm. all the ones we see here are really, really tiny. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the females are all small. It's harder to say with them because they don't have that external mm. uh, reproductive organ. But they're all of a size class that's okay. most likely juvenile. Because, yeah, we, we've seen some, like, I mean, black and white, but I've seen some photographs all, like, they're all black or barely any white. So I was wondering mm. if that was, like, one of the one of the characteristics of a juvenile, maybe, or... No. Um, so we can use like the, the back coloration to tell the difference between species, um, mm. but not between individuals. Okay. So I have another question. Mm -hmm. um, when we went scuba diving with manta rays, we saw they would like curl up the, whatever the thing's called at the side. The cephalic and then, fins. Okay. And then they would also extend them. Is that to do with eating or like yeah. a warning sign or what's that to do with? So what they do um, is they unroll them and will use them to funnel plankton-rich water into their mouth. So when oh. they get into like a big soup of plankton, they unroll those and it helps direct the food into their mouth. 
and then they can roll them up out of the way to be more hydrodynamic. But what's interesting is sometimes when I'm in the water with them, they'll kind of unroll like just one of them and kind of like flap it at you. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I think there's someone out doing research right now about the use of cephalic fins and communication. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's something that's very interesting because manta rays are really smart. They have the biggest brain out of any fish. <laughs> Their oh, wow. brain okay. is like, it's three times larger than a whale shark's brain and a whale shark is 10 times bigger than a manta ray. So um, there's lots of evidence for manta ray intelligence as you guys just being in the water when you see kind of how they inspect you. Yeah. Um, Yeah. They would like not fly, but they're kind of like fly above us and (laughs) kind of like, I don't know, like have a look around and see what's going on a little bit. And yeah. Yeah. Um, and why do you think no one was shooting manta ray before in Florida? Is it not, I don't know, is everyone going for sharks naturally? Like, what, what do you think is the reason? And why we don't know anything about them? Um, so I think probably it was a little bit of lack of awareness because um, they're not found on the reefs where the scuba divers are. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's reefs like half a mile away from where we're seeing them. Um, but people rarely see the mantas out there. So we're seeing them like really close to shore, which is just kind of a habitat where I guess people aren't doing as much research. Mm. Um, and then also doing field work and looking for stuff like this is time intensive and expensive. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, it's just a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort to go out and find them. Yeah. Okay. And um, I've got one last question about the, the your your daily job. I mean, especially the, the job is that how non-profit get financed uh, for like mm. projects like yours? Where, where does the money come from? Yeah, so... There's a couple of different ways you can apply for funds again. Um, there's funds through the government. So like mm-hmm. our satellite tags, those came from the government since manta mm-hmm. rays were listed on the Endangered Species Act. Um, and then we have some grants through like private, through like Disney um, and some private zoos and stuff. Um, the big problem with marine science is like most grants will specifically say we do not fund salaries. Oh. Um, it's ridiculous. Like they say that and you're like, well, great. You will give me all of this money to do this, but not pay yeah. for <laughs> my time. Like I'm applying for the grant. I'm applying for it tomorrow. Won't pay for any of your time. Um, so like when I started this project, I was, uh, you know, I was working as a dive instructor and I was still doing some sea turtle work. Hmm. Um, but yeah, the best way to get money, honestly, is if you can get like private funding, that's uh, what they call non-discretionary. So if I apply for a grant, I have to use that money exactly how I said I was going to. But it's yeah. nice if you can get someone to give you money and they're like, we trust your judgment, use it this yeah. way. And then you can okay. use it for some of these things that uh, people like just don't want to pay for it or like... <laughs> It's yeah, it's it's a bit of a a weird one though. I mean, why would you give money for a project to be accomplished but 
you say, I want you to do that and I'm going to give you money for that, but you can't take any money yourself to do the job. It's like, well, what do you, I mean, <laughs> it's, no, it's a huge problem. I yeah. talk about it. I know some other girls who started, that's why a lot of people don't start their own projects. And mm. I know some people who have, and it's, it's ridiculously hard and you kind of have to be really creative. Um, but I think it's just like the market is oversaturated with people and like oh. our time just isn't valued. Like yeah. a lot of people will do this shit for free. Um, so I, I don't know. I, yeah. I personally don't know why some of these places won't pay for any salaries, but yeah, I mean, most people I think are getting salaries either through it's either through some kind of like private foundation funding or um, uh, maybe they work like with a university. But sometimes even if you mm -hmm. work at universities, like some university like professor jobs will say you have to find 25 percent of your salary. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a trend run. Um, well, that's that's going to be a bit linked to my to my next question is uh, what are the main challenges you're facing? So I'm guessing funding is one of them. <laughs> yes. Um, main challenges right now that my, my boat is broken. And, well, that doesn't help. <laughs> uh, there's no boat. No one wants to be a boat mechanic anymore, apparently. And so like yeah. you can beg people and like wave money in front of their face and they're like, no, we don't care. Like we have so much work coming out of our ears. Uh, um, but like, yeah, field work is always challenging. Um, weather, boats, salt water kills everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the pandemic is another challenge. Like how do you be socially distant on a 20 foot boat? Yeah, it's not easy. And we're, we're trying. Um <laughs> But yeah, and I guess it's just getting people, I mean, I've had, I feel like I've been really lucky with this project and that I've had a lot of support and a lot of things happened in timely manners for me and mm -hmm. that I had a nonprofit that wanted to team up with me. Manta rays got listed on the Endangered Species Act. So all of a sudden, like, I didn't have to convince the government to care. They were mm -hmm. like, give us your data, please, please, please. Um, yeah. So a lot of these things with this project kind of worked out very nicely in regards to, to timing, which a lot of people, you know, who don't work with, you know, I work with manta rays, so it's not that hard to get people to be like, fall in love with these beautiful creatures. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people who work with, like, I got this grant um, from a zoo and I felt really bad because it was like this competitive grant where people at the zoo vote for which project they like. And like, there's these people who are studying like mice and bats who are up against me studying manta rays. Yeah. And <laughs> I, my project got most of the money and I felt so bad because I was like, these are people, bats, bats have a really hard time. There's fungus killing the, all of them. Um, and they're super important. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, it's harder yeah, to get people the, to The cutus is going to win. Yeah. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Yeah, I I was thinking like because uh, you, I mean you you come from a background uh, in in college with like environmental research and everything, so obviously like 
the fact that you're trying to study the manta is to protect them and it's obviously linked to like the climate change and, and all those discussions. I was wondering if you're facing any issue on this side because I mean uh, there's still a lot of people that think this is not real you know and and Aussie don't give a shit about it to be honest uh, because you know it's for later so it's not going to impact their own life and and so do, do you have any issues on, on, on this side? Um, well, so we did those fishermen surveys and we surveyed 200 fishermen and at the end we would ask them like, what environmental problems are important to you? <laughs> and I think like two people said climate change. Wow. <laughs> um, I was like, oh, um, That's yeah, 1%. I, <laughs> I was just having this discussion this morning with somebody, um, climate change is a really hard one because people can't see it. And I mean, it's kind of like similar to this pandemic, like unless it's directly affecting you, like it's hard for people to see what the benefits. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it's interesting with issues here, like, um, like the toxic, toxic algae blooms that happened for a couple of years. Like that's a nonpartisan issue here in Florida, like Republicans, Democrats, everyone is against the toxic algae because it hurts the economy. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I've been in a little bit of a, a pessimistic uh, state about some of these affairs lately. Um, I'm hoping just the generation below mine is going to be the one who really is going to have to step up, I think, um, and fix this mess. But mm. um, oh, I just lost track of what I was saying. <laughs> um. This happens to me all the time. Don't, don't yeah, worry. I've, I've got an, another, another question about the, the subject anyway, so you might come back. Is, um, uh, one of the other main issue we can see, especially in Miami right here with all the water we have uh, on top of climate is all the plastic issue. And it's a trendy conversation as well. Like everyone mm-hmm. is, is, is concerned about it. Um, I was wondering if... I mean, you, you spend a lot of time on the water oh, and in the water. So can you can you see the impact uh, really like on, 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 a, on a daily basis? And how is it impacting uh, the manta, for example? I'm curious about that. Yeah. Um, so, yes, we pick up plastic out of the ocean every single day. Hmm. Um, and with the mantas in particular, uh, one of our researchers at MMF just finished her PhD looking at microplastics in manta rays. So manta rays eat like little tiny plankton in the water and the microplastics are the same size as the plankton. So um, she modeled that uh, mantas are probably eating like 60 pieces of plastic an hour. Um, And we don't really know like what the exact effect of this is. Um, Like it could block digestion, block absorption of nutrients. And, you know, plastic also leaches toxins. Mm. Um, it was something we were going to look into this summer. Uh, on one of our, we had this big Manta expedition planned for the summer, but it got canceled because of the pandemic. We were going to actually try to draw blood from manta rays and look for microplastics mm. in their blood. Um, but yeah, no, the, the plastics are a huge problem. I mean, we probably have, I mean, we definitely have them in our bodies. Because <laughs> oh, it's an yeah. insult and things. It's like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 
Um, because I've seen the photographs when they chop open like seagulls and fish, yeah. and they literally just it's just full of it. I wonder if it'd be the same for manta rays. Have they ever found a dead one and chopped it to see if there's it's full of it or? Mm, I mean, they do find dead ones. It's not all that common. They're negatively buoyant, so they they sink. Oh. Um, we found one dead one here in Florida a couple years ago, but that one's living in the Smithsonian now, so we didn't chop it up. We okay. kept it intact. <laughs> um, not that I know of, but I'm sure someone is doing that. I mm. mean, probably what they would would have to do is go to like fish markets where they kill them. <laughs> is oh, that's 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 happening. Mm-hmm. Didn't know that. So yeah, the. It's not happening as much as it used to. A lot of international protections have gone um, into effect over the last few years. But um, there's a market in um, Chinese medicines for the gill plates of manta rays. So it's what kind of sieves the plankton out of the water. Hmm. Um, yeah, they like dry them and make them into a... I'm using quotations for everyone on the podcast. Medicine. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah. And the problem with manta rays, you were asking me earlier about like them giving birth. So what we do know about them is that they're pregnant for a year. They give birth to one pup and then the moms take between two and five years off between each pregnancy. So if you do the math, they're not producing yeah. a lot of offspring over yeah. a period of time. So these populations can be fished out super quickly. quickly and they they can't uh, reproduce fast enough to replace them and how long do they live in average so we don't really yeah. know um but probably upwards of 40 years hmm, okay isn't it crazy that people fly to space but then they don't know what's in the ocean I, like, I was I gonna say literally yeah, yeah. that <laughs> i find it mental yeah <laughs> it's really hard to follow stuff around in the ocean yeah <laughs> no it's yeah it's so crazy how I mean, there's so much money put into space. Ignoring we yeah, are. Yeah, but there's not nice. enough money, as you, like you've kind of said. There's not enough money put into finding out what's on our own Earth before we try and build a colony on another one. Like, it just, it just baffles well, me. Well, because there's no financial benefit from studying Mandare. There's more financial benefit putting satellites in space. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, we live in a capita yeah. <laughs> capitalist world and, and it's probably one of the reasons. Uh, but yeah, it's it's crazy how little we know about it it's, yeah well it, i mean the oceans are only producing most of our oxygen and tempering climate change um but no biggie <laughs> and feeding a billion we don't need people. that we don't need it it's not that important let's get yeah. to space that's more fun like it's... well yeah no, but yeah that's a yeah that's an interesting one um What's your, I mean, you, you, you've kind of answer uh, a little bit, but, um, do you see yourself working with Manta for as long as you can, or do you have other things in mind that you would like to, to, to achieve? That's an interesting question. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I love what I'm doing right now and I can see me doing that for the rest of my life, at least being involved with it for the rest of my life. Maybe at some point 
I would like pass it on to someone else to focus on maybe bigger issues. But mm. I mean, cause like really what needs to be tackled are these climate change pollution issues. Like nothing gets better. Mm. Like I can stop fishermen from hooking manta rays, but like, it doesn't matter if yeah. we still like pollute our waterways and stuff, yeah. which yeah. are the harder things to do because it requires it's, it's needs to be big policy changes, yeah. um, which is going to, it requires a lot of, there's a lot that needs to be done with education, um, mm. which is something I'm getting more involved in. It's something I'm have no experience in and I'm getting a lot of help. Like I'm working with a teacher right now to develop lesson plans for elementary school students. Cause I looked online and this, um, the Florida school standards websites, when you look at their example lesson plans, there's none of them that involved anything Marine. Mm. I was like, how is this possible? We yeah, live on the ocean. Miami, yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think that I think like getting this next generation to see what's important and for that to just be part of like how they view the world. Mm. Um, Cause you know, where I grew up in Eastern North Carolina, like I didn't know anything about environmentalism or nothing that we, yeah. we swam in <laughs> rivers that were infested with hog waste and um, it's just what we did. But uh, yeah, it was, it wasn't a concern a generation ago. Yeah. It was just not a thing, like it didn't matter, so. Yeah, we can see there. Yeah, that's a generation issue, and well, it, I think it can only get better. To be honest, <laughs> no. I hope so. I mean, <laughs> but with the with the new kids, yes, yeah, I yeah. Think so it's uh, just, I feel like we keep thinking we're going to reach the carrying capacity of Earth, hmm. but we keep passing what we think yeah. <laughs> is going to be too many people. So we'll see. You, you, I, I'm. You're not going to have the answer right now, but um, you know how since the beginning of the pandemic, we've seen pollution rate dropping in big cities and everything. Mm. I wonder uh, what results you're going to be getting when you're going to go, when you're going to be like going back uh, a bit more often in the water, if you're going to be able to see a change between like before the pandemic and, and, and now. Um, um, yeah, pollution. I've gotten asked this question a lot. Um, Boating in Florida did not really stop, stop at no. all uh, during the pandemic. Because if as long as you had your boat in the water, um, like they like closed the boat ramps. But if you had your boat in the water, oh, nothing yeah. stopped you from going out. And I was doing aerial surveys in a plane. And I mean, I think with people not working and having their kids at home, right, okay. <laughs> um, to me, I didn't see any difference. Okay. But interestingly... What I did see is in Miami and Fort Lauderdale, I got all these reports of manta rays using the canals, like being way back inside, sometimes like five miles away from an inlet. Yeah, I've got a friend um, who, who actually took plenty of photographs uh, of, of, of manta in the canal, yeah. Okay, well, tell him to send them to me if he has yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but people would send these to me and be like, oh, it's because, you know, the pandemic, everything is quiet. And I'm like, I actually think it's just because you're at home 
and you're looking out your condo, like people are just seeing them from outside their condo. Mm -hmm. And I think it was just so many people being home um, and paying more attention, but yeah, it's something that if you had asked me how much mantas were using that habitat before, I would have been like, I don't know, yeah. probably not that much, but uh, they were, they were all feeding back there. So it was kind of some interesting hmm. data okay. that's kind of stopped now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we're going back to a little bit of normal. Um, what can, can people like us or anyone get involved into uh, a project like yours or like the turtles on the beach? Like, how do you get involved into in, into this this world? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's lots of ways to get involved with that stuff, and volunteering is one way. Um, so, a lot of the research places or some of the turtle places hire or have volunteers who can do some of the surveys. I get volunteers every summer to come out on the boat with me. Like everything done in my project is done by volunteers. Mm. Um, so all of that's really important for the mantas, like doing what you do and reporting your drone sightings like that. All that stuff you guys are giving me is going straight into a model that's being developed by NOAA to understand how the species is distributed. So like that data is going to be used for conservation. Um, so doing that stuff is really important. Okay. Mm -hmm. and so if there's any drone people out there that spot any manta rays, <laughs> let's tell her yeah. <laughs> you to spread the information. Well, actually, like every time I see someone from Miami sharing a manta photograph, I usually tag you in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got and this I reflex now. So many people who do that and I love it. Um, like social media is where I get most. Yeah, of that's those a great way reports. to reach to reach to so many people you've never be able to reach before. Mm -hmm. And um, are there any uh, so volunteering is one of them? What what's the other thing? I guess donation and stuff like that. Oh or? yeah, always you can yeah. donate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, donating. I mean, just doing things to make your life a little more uh, green. And I like to just role model for everyone else out there you know have your grocery bags at the grocery store and um i think especially here in the states where they give you like one bag per item yeah <laughs> it's like no that, that is impressive honestly like that's nuts i mean for <laughs> us like european that's nuts like <laughs> you come back with 10 items and you got like 15 bags what how? Oh yeah, and the double wrap. Yeah, as well. like... oh, it's eggs. I put it in two bags. That do... No, that doesn't make any sense. Oh, I know. They, like they we have put... our own plastic, we have our own reusable bags. But I think the first week or so when we got here, we didn't, yeah. and we were just like, oh my god, we need to buy bags ASAP because this is ridiculous. Like the amount of <laughs> excess plastic that there is, it's just insane. Yeah, and I mean something that I like to do is if you see, um, you can also do a lot of good, like supporting where you spend your money support it in small businesses. I recently been making a switch to like no longer buying fast fashion. Like there's this mm. app called good on you. That'll tell you yeah. like the ethical and environmental things of all these clothing companies. Um, mm. And then if I see a company doing something I like, especially like which one 
there's some big company that did something with plastic like last year. So I send them an email and be like, Hey, I really appreciate this thing you're doing. Da, 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 da. And I think give feedback and call people out when they're not stepping up because yeah. like it's, it's these larger companies who are going to have to make responsible for a lot of this pollution stuff. Like I can change my own habits as much as I want, but there are some things you can't avoid buying without yeah. getting plastic. Like it's just, it is hard, yeah. It's, it's really hard. hard. Like go into um, the grocery store and be like, do I want organic in plastic <laughs> or non-organic in paper? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so many things, yeah, like that. I guess the other thing to do is to pick up plastic when you see it. So we, whenever we walk on the beach and see plastic, we automatically pick it up. Or like when we go paddle boarding, we always find like plastic bags and straws and plastic mm. bottles. And we always take that with us because we kind of... Gloves and masks now. There's I know. Mass, there's I fucking usually masks pick up trash everywhere on, on the beach. I usually pick up trash on the street, but I've been, uh, I haven't been doing it because of COVID. Because I'm like, yeah. I could have coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we like, we live close to the beach and on the path, you always see at least one or two masks just oh, yeah. on the floor. And it's just like, why is that there? Like, yeah. There's no need. No. Um, I've got one last question for you. Um, <laughs> is how. Uh, right now, a little kid uh, would like to work with manta ray or sharks, or and 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 become a, a marine biologist. Uh, what's the best path for this kid? And also, if tomorrow I want to quit my job and I want to get paid to photograph and dive with <laughs> manta ray and research them, what's the what's the plan for me? <laughs> okay, no one gets paid to do that anymore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> underwater photography is another uh um oversaturated industry yeah. because amateurs will give away their photos for free <laughs> um but yeah so big thing if you're a kid who wants to be a marine biologist pay attention in science and math class and go out and get experience go volunteer somewhere and really figure out what you like doing um because you know sometimes this stuff it sounds really good like being out in the field all day but sometimes you're out in the sun for 12 hours yeah. in a thunderstorm and you know it's not all just swimming with beautiful manta rays yeah. <laughs> um but yeah get experience and uh reach out make connections like i have people reach out to me on social media and you know i'll I'll have a phone call with them to tell them like what's the best things they can do. So there's, and I do that because I had so many people do that for me when I was coming up who like people I didn't know who offered me advice and like read my resume. And um, there's just a lot of people out there who are willing to do that kind of stuff. So like make connections and make good impressions is mm. the other thing. If you volunteer, show up and do what you're supposed to do yeah. because if you don't then sometimes i can't give people a good reference if yeah they don't i hate it because they have passion and everything but like if someone asks me do they show up on time for something i can be like no, no. <laughs> they showed um, up on miami time not on time <laughs> <laughs> miami time is a thing yeah but go out and get experience and i think my biggest piece of advice is just to think outside of the box. Like there's so many different ways that you can contribute to something. Like you could be a dive instructor and teach like a bunch of 
marine biology like awareness specialties or stuff or just like educate your divers on how to do properly and environmental responsibility um oh my god i feel like there's just a lot like right one of my friends who's a marine biologist actually went into journalism and does scientific writing now Mm, um so yeah there's there's just lots of different ways to do it um so find out what you like and see how you can contribute. Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be your job too. Like, yeah. It could just be a hobby. And what's your favorite part? Like what's, what's the thing where when you do it, you're like, Oh my God, this is why I do it. This is fucking awesome. Oh, being in the water with the manta rays. Yeah. I, I, still, <laughs> I still get like, yeah. Sometimes I just like, kind of lose track of what I'm doing. I'm like, I yeah. can't believe <laughs> Just stare at them. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really love it. Yeah, yeah. You can ask my boyfriend when the mantras are around. I forget. I don't do. Ah, cool. Thank you. Um, that was really interesting. Uh, yeah. I'm keep doing what you're doing. Cause yeah. Not, not many people know about Manta. It's funny. Um, but yeah, I feel like when you've seen them once in the water, you understand. Well, you it understand, was interesting with our fisherman survey is, is a lot of people just, they call all rays Manta. Oh, like, okay. <laughs> we'll ask them about Manta Ray and then I'll realize into the conversation they're just talking about a normal stingray which yeah. is it was really interesting so that's going to be one of our education things is to be like or people will be like oh a manta is what killed steve Irwin," and i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> that can't hurt you <laughs> yeah. yeah so you need to fight ignorance for a start yeah that's the main <laughs> yeah and get them to collect data for us because they're yeah. out on the water all the time <laughs> good point yeah Mm-hmm. cool uh where can we find you if people wants to get in touch with you they have questions or they see a manta they want to get in touch with you but what's the best way to contact you um on social media is usually the best way on instagram i'm at florida manta girl and on facebook our project page is marine megafauna foundation colon americas so we have a a page for each region we work on, which is the Americas, the Indian Ocean, and um, Southeast Asia. Hmm. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm gonna link everything in the in the. Oh yeah, and you can anyway, go so to marinemegafauna.org to see about our organization and our projects okay. around the world. Okay, all right. I'll link everything. Um, do you have any other question? I don't think so. No? Okay. <laughs> cool. Um, well, thank you so much, Jessica. Uh, that was really interesting. Uh, I've learned a lot today, so that was good. <laughs> Yay! No, that was super fun. It's got nice to meet you guys. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, well, that's it for the episode. Um, leave us a review if you liked it. If you have any question, get in touch with Jessica uh, on the socials. And uh, yeah, we'll see you on the next episode next week. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Bye.